folks to another episode of That Anita Live, emotional healing to help you create a happier life. I'm Anita, your host, and this week we're discussing being 16 and grown, honey. Do you remember being 16? Did you think you knew it all? Were you brass and bold to move out of the house? Well, my guest today, Ms. Leslie Fox, did just that. And it led to, well, a very bumpy road. But she's here to share with us the lessons that she learned, the bad decisions she's made, but how all of those lessons and those decisions has led to the wonderful life she leads today. She's one of six authors in the new collaborative book titled Women Who Overcome. What's going on, Ms. Leslie? Nothing much. I'm doing good. How are you? I'm good. Thank you for coming down. It's a pleasure to be here. Today's it's an honor. 16. Yes. <laughs> in the book, mm-hmm. you start out very focused and specific mm-hmm. as to what were what was the underlying issue with yes. your low self-esteem. Yes. 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 And that was? Started from childhood. Mm-hmm. Um, growing up in a house. Uh, I am the youngest of two sisters, and I am actually darker, darker complexion. Um, I had a particular aunt who would always, for some reason, to me, I felt like she didn't like me too much because of my skin complexion, because that was always an attack or a target. So you growing up, you being called monkey, gorilla, you get called ape, like every name in the book, and it's always reflecting to my complexion. So that caused a lot of rejection to start sitting in. And I started to make myself somebody that I wasn't because I wanted to be lighter. I did no longer wanted to be dark skinned. A lot of people yeah. struggle with that. You want to get in complexion and hair. Yes. Especially with the good hair. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> was, was it only your aunt? Oh, uh, it was only my aunt. And you know how you always, I always see other girls who always have their favorite aunt. Their favorite aunt that they always say that would take them out. The aunt that you can talk to, share secrets with. I didn't have that was around when your aunt would call you these names? Um, my mom was always working. Um, she did her best to provide. She's working two jobs. Um, my sister, my older sister, we're we're not nowhere near close in age, so it's more like uh, older, a big gap, middle sister, big gap. So my older sister was always out. Um, my middle sister, you know, she was doing her high school stuff, and it was just me. Of course, I had my little cousins that would come over to the house, but you know they was younger, so I didn't really have anybody in my age range that I can really reach out to or talk to. So then my grandmother and my grandfather, so of course they was raising the grandkids. Cause you you talk about your grandmother being a strong matriarch and a positive yes. role model, yes. oh, a very strong role yes. model in your life. Yes, yes, that was my superwoman. Um, she was the one who will always speak life into the grandchildren. You know, no matter, she didn't see mistakes. And if we made a mistake, she will always bring you back. She will always say, you know, you made this mistake, but this is what you need to do. Go forward, do what you have to do. Don't be a statistic. And I always leaned on her encouragement because it always had power behind it. So that was my superwoman. Then, as you were growing up, mm-hmm. the first person that told you you were beautiful, yeah. What is the impact to that? Help help us understand what it's like 
could not be complimented for, say, the first 10, 13 years of your life. Yeah. And then for somebody to come along and just make you, I mean, just, just bloom like a rose on a spring day. Yeah. It's when you were growing up and you just hear so many name calling so much mm -hmm. and to actually have somebody that look at you and say that you're beautiful and they would just stare at you. And I'm like, okay, somebody's actually staring at me. Somebody actually see me as beautiful. And I'm not even looking at the age difference or nothing like that. The only thing I see is somebody sees me as beautiful. And because of the way he looked at me and because of what he said, I felt like this was love. I felt like, okay, um, this is something I can go after. This is something that I need, I want. You know, I want to feel love. I want to feel beautiful. I want to feel these things. Uh, I, I wanted to get the, the same attention that anybody else was getting who was in love. So I thought at this, more, this point in time, this is love right here. But, mm. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead, girl. Oh, Tell my it. goodness. It was not love. Mm. It was not love. And, and that's why I look at so many young girls who. Looking back, what would you yeah, call it? Lust. And then you also had, because in the book you talk about the love that you saw and the dedication that you saw between your. My grandmother and my grandfather. I wanted that same type of love they had. I wanted that same thing. I looked at their marriage as, you know how you see, uh, you probably see a fairy tale, one of your favorite fairy tales, and you see that relationship like Beauty and the Beast or something. And I mm -hmm. say their marriage was built on something marvelous. But the part that we forget about, we forget the God in the whole area. They merged was built on God. And I didn't see what they've been through to get to what they have. I only seen what was built at that foundation. Mm -hmm. And when I seen that, and I said, wow, look how my grandmother prayed. Look how my grandfather, I just, that relationship they have. And I wanted that. And then the crazy thing about it, my grandmother is the same complexion as me. And I seen that type of love that she had. And I said, she's dark skinned and look how she's being loved. Why I can't get that. Looking back, mm -hmm. the age difference between you mm -hmm. and the young man. Yes. What would you say about that now? Big mistake, pedophile. <laughs> <laughs> now tell us, what was, what was the age difference? He was 22. And you were? I was 12. Woo! Do you think that relationship affected the decision he made from there? It played a major part. Okay. It played a major part. Um, being with this guy, and honestly, let's be real. Let's be technical. Mm -hmm. What does a 22-year-old man want with somebody that's 12? What can somebody 12 offer them? What can I give him to say, okay, this is who I want, this is who I want to marry? And let's be real, only but sex. Mm -hmm. And a lot of young girls, we, we fall right into it. Because, be because of sweet words, because of good language, good talk, because of they can give you a couple of things. Oh, here you can have it, you can have this, and it looks beautiful to you. And it's, this is fine, this is what I want. He, this, he loves me. You know, I cherish it. This is the moment, my fantasy moment. But when you really think about it logically, what can somebody 12 offer anybody that's 22? You are a grown man. And somebody that's 12 that's young enough to be your sister. 
So if anything, he should have took me in as a sister and I took advantage of the place that I was in. But I played a part in that too because I allowed that door to open. But one, you was black. Mm -hmm. Two, there was so much that we had missing in the home. Yeah. Because one of the people who we haven't named yet, who has a large responsibility there, mm -hmm. is your dad. Yeah. Yeah. And men need to realize just how important their positions are when it comes to their kids. And not yeah. one child, or you see, like this mother in particular, so that child gets treated yes. a lot differently. Everybody that you have responsibility for. It's important. It is, it, the role of a dad is important, is leadership. And it's important for leadership to be in the household. It's important, why? Because that dad would show their daughter how a man supposed to treat a woman. That dad would show that daughter how a man supposed to love that, love that woman. And that's the thing that's missing in the household when the dad is not there. And I didn't find, um, I didn't really find my dad until I was 21. Um, that's when Facebook was live and popping. And went on Facebook, made me a Facebook page. I inboxed everybody that last name was Wimbish. Everybody from California to Texas, I don't care who, you getting inboxed. Do you know my dad? Mm -hmm. And the crazy thing about it was when I got response back, everybody responded back, yes, I know him. Wow. Everybody responded back, yes, I know him. And I said, oh, oh, oh. So, hold on, give me a number. On average, how many do you think you hit? Oh, 20, I, 50? 80? I had to inbox over 40-something people. And I said, it's funny that everybody responded back and said yes. And when I said, well, I'm his daughter, you know, I reached out to everybody and two people responded back. They said, oh, your dad talks a lot about you. So I said, how does he talk about me when he doesn't see me? And when I finally um, got in contact with my dad, my dad actually had a picture in his wallet of me when I was a baby. He had a necklace that he still wears today that he said I gave him when I was small. And how old? Were you when you I was 21 okay. and I'm like okay I'm not understanding I said I'm not understanding you know how is it all these years later you still have these things you know what happened to your presence where was you at and that's another thing you know with women no matter what your differences is without no matter what you're going through first of all you gotta remember if you decided to lay down with this person to have a child he still have a right to be in that child's life whether or not if he want a relationship with you or not do not separate the father and child relationship because if you do, you're going to end up with a situation like me, especially for a young woman. And let's get into because from yes. there, honey, we hit 16. <laughs> yes, wild and crazy. <laughs> <laughs> and at 16. Yes. Was this, okay, paint this picture for me. Mm -hmm. Was this a family discussion where you said, okay, look, I'm moving out? Was this just you run through the kitchen one day with a bag on your shoulder saying, oh. all of y'all, I'm out. I mean, ha, ha, what? Oh, how'd this go down? I can say, I'm going to draw back to 12 and giving away my virginity. Mm -hmm. Once somebody tastes that life, it's like, I have to have it. I need it. I got to get it. I have to get it. And when I, actually when I was 15, in high school, that's what I met my children's dad. And of course, sweet words, 
loved the way he sound, loved how he looked. He was athletic. I'm looking at all these things. I say, yes, this is husband material. This is what I, this is it right here. And that's the part when I started mentally telling myself that I can do this by myself. I don't need advice from a person. I don't need my parents telling me anything because they old school. You know, things are new now in this, de in this decade, <laughs> so you can't tell me nothing from your old school compared to now. But honestly, even the Bible tells us there's nothing new under the sun. So nothing. if our parents nothing. experienced it, it may have been in a decade when it wasn't cell phones. Mm -hmm. But only thing that upgraded out is the cell phone. Mm -hmm. It's a new decade. My, I was like, you know what? This is what I want. I ended up um, getting pregnant, and I felt like since I'm pregnant, I need to live with my child's dad. I don't need to be here in this house. We need to raise this child together. And I'm thinking to myself, we're going to raise our family. We want to get married. There I go with that fairy tale idea. And, and you are how old? At this time, I was 15 when I got pregnant, and I was 16 when I had my daughter. And, and I moved out 16. He? Oh, he's only one year old. <laughs> <laughs> he was well, he was he was 16 at the time when I got pregnant and he was 17 when I had had my daughter. So did he make the same announcement in his house and the two of you moved in together or was he already out on his own? He his situation I really think he needs to write a book too. <laughs> his situation was a little more critical. Um he technically raised himself. Mm. He didn't his father passed away when he was 1. So he didn't have the understanding of a relationship. That's one. Um, his mother was, you know, on drugs. So he didn't have the understanding of a relationship from the mother. So the only thing he, you know, grew knowledge from is what happened on the streets. Whatever he seen on the streets, that's what he intake and that's what he lived off of. And of course, his uh, it was one of his grandmothers that was still living. You know, she tried her best to do what she can for him, but he was already. Wide open. Yeah, wide open. He was way, way wide open. <laughs> so you move out? Yes. The two of you mm -hmm. are living in happiness and bliss? No. Mm. No. <laughs> it was what I thought it was not the way it turned out. Um, moved out. Um, I had applied for a job at McDonald's. I was working at McDonald's. I was still going to school. When I come home from school, um, he would be gone. The baby would be with, would be with his grandmother because she would watch the baby for us while we was at school. And I come in, I'm like, so where is he at? I look out the window, he's up the street with another girl. Then I started finding, you know, condoms around the apartment. It was, I'm like, this is not what I thought it was going to be. It was not. Um, he ended up getting locked up, uh, of course, in jail, called home, speaking good words. You know, when I get out, we're going to have another baby. I'm going to make sure we're going to start his family. I'm like, okay, this is what I want. He finally got his head on straight. He finally, you know, thinking straight. Of course, he was selling it yeah, he was selling it and selling it selling well, and I ate it up. I ate it up. When we come back, we're going to hear the rest <laughs> of this story, particularly... If you know any young women who mm -hmm. think they are grown, honey, need to ask nothing, know everything already, please have them watch this episode. Stay tuned. What we have next 
compares nothing to what she just went through. You. <laughs> Welcome to That Anita Live TV on YouTube. Here at That Anita Live, I share episodes about emotional healing to help you create a happier life. How do I do that? Through awareness, education, and most importantly, you, the community by sharing tips and techniques from real people with real stories of overcoming trauma and abuse to live relentless lives. Hanging out with me, you'll laugh, you'll learn, but most importantly, you'll heal. Never miss a moment. Subscribe to That Anita Live's YouTube channel today. Subscribe via thatanitalive.com forward slash YouTube. And we're back with the tea, honey. <laughs> so he is selling you the dream mm -hmm. on the phone, mm -hmm. calling from lockup. Yeah. And you listen again. Mm -hmm. I ate it up. I ate it up because I was so determined that whoever I have a child by, that's who I was going to be with. 17, 18 years mm -hmm. old. Okay. Still in high school. Okay, so he gets out of lockup and? He gets out of lockup and the baby we planned was baby number two, which was our son. Um, I, had, I had our son. No, things didn't get better. It didn't get better. It just, it just seems to get worse. <laughs> and, and when it got worse, mm -hmm. and Grandma says, girl, come on home. Yeah. Why didn't you go? Oh, goodness, it hurts. Because I knew me and my mother's relationship wasn't, you know, wasn't together. I knew the disappointment. I disappointed her. Did you and your mom ever repair the relationship? We, we tried to repair it even after years, um, but now we're good. <laughs> but even after those years, mm -hmm. we tried to repair it, but it was more, Leslie, that's not who, that's not for you. Mm -hmm. I need for you to search out and search further. That's not for you. That's not it. What happened that led up to you losing your kids? Fast forward. Um, during this time, we had seven children. We was married, and we were in the apartment. And I remember being in the living room, and maybe we had a terrible argument. And that was like something that was always constant. And he was running the bath water for one of the kids. Him not paying attention to the temperature of the water, anything, because we're standing in the living room and we're arguing. He goes to put our son in the tub and I'm sitting in the living room and I heard a scream. And when I run to the bathroom, he's taking our son back out. And I'm like, what just happened? And he was just sitting there. Mm -hmm. So I looked at my son because I'm looking at his feet and I realized it was little blisters on his feet. 
So he goes to the closet and get a medical kit and put some ointment. I said, you can't put ointment on blisters. And he put it on it anyway. And the blisters bust. I said, well, I'm about to take my baby to the, to the emergency room. Go to the emergency room. Of course, the first thing they want to do is assume the worst. One, we're two black married couples, seven children, low income, really no support. Assume the worst. Equations for disaster. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. They called Child Protective Services. Child Protective Services came and they asked him what happened. What happened? And the only thing I, I said, I really don't know what happened. Oh, you don't know? Okay, CPS, we coming to get the children. And I think it was the very next day they sent the police to the house and they came and tested the water, the apartment water, and the water tested for 170 de 173 degrees. Mm. Um, the apartment had already sent the letter saying that they realized that the, the water temperature was a little higher than usual and they took responsibility for that. That was not enough. One, it was signaled that, okay, these are kids, we just want to take them, and the way they did it, it was, um, my, young, my older kids that was in school, I was still home with two of my kids, which was my infant and my, my baby boy. I get a call from, from the hospital saying, for you, you know, to bring the kids up here, we just want to check them out. I didn't even know they went to the school and took my kids out of school. Never knew, I didn't get a phone call, nothing. They took the kids out of school, every last one of them. They already had them in foster care. And when I, no matter of fact, they had them at the hospital. When I came up there, they checked on um, my baby. They checked my baby at the time, uh, Chloe, she was 10 months. And my other son, they checked both of them. And I, and I cannot forget this lady's face. I remember her even still to this day. I remember her standing there. And the allegations she was saying against me, I'm like, those, those are lies. She said, well, you have not been taking your kids to the medical appointments. They have eczema that's non-treated. I'm like, where are you getting your information from? I take my children to the, to the doctor's office. And she wrote up all this report. She called the police in the room. I remember the police, and I had my baby just like this. He came right in, literally snatched my baby out of my hand, and ran down the hallway. I heard my baby cry from the time he took her all the way until her cry fainted. And I knew by that time she was gone. And when I came out the room, I fell on the floor. When I fell on the floor, she stood up. She was like, well, I'm going to tell the judge that you, you're acting out of control. I said, how do I supposed to act when you just took my baby out of my arm? You took everything from me. And I said, these children I birthed. It's easy for you to stand there and take and break up a family. And for you to say that I'm acting out of control. So what happened? that the tide turned and you actually got your kids back? It was, I can say, the third year they started doing visitations on weekends. And one of the social workers uh, who would come to do the visits, and she always would say, she said, it's just something about you. She said, you're doing everything you, you're, that you're asked to do. And, she, and I remember she told me, she said, we're going to get your kids back home. And she said, when we get your kids back home, I'm leaving my job. And this woman stayed and fought for my kids to get home. 
And literally, when the kids came home, she left. And all she kept on saying is something about you. She said, you're so, you're so determined. She was like, you just, you, you, you always applying yourself. And then she was like, you can see how the kids truly love their mother. And I told her, I said, ma'am, she said, I was like, first of all, when you birth seven children, contractions do not feel good. Mm-mm. And you push out six and then you c-section with the last child and that c-section was the worst experience i ever had in my life i said ma'am these are children that i felt in my womb why would i give up why would i give up i have something to fight for and i say i'm gonna fight for my babies and i'm gonna keep on going when they keep when you got the kids back mm-hmm. was it instantly as it was before did it take some oh it took some adjustment because the things that they've been through during foster care. Um, a lot of, you might would say they were broken. They were broken, their spirits was broken. And it's like putting a child in deep water and then throwing them back. How are you kids doing now? Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness, you talking about, I say, out of my 30-something years of life, can't tell my age. <laughs> I have endured much. And I mean much. And I mean, when people talk, they say, I can truly relate to what you're saying. It was like, you don't need, you're still young. I said, you just don't know the half. Yes. My children, when I say they are walking testimonies, mm-hmm. even if you would, would hear them, you would be amazed, even down to the youngest. And I mean, they amaze me every single day. And I know that God has purpose for their lives How because um, my oldest daughter, Maya, she's 16. 16. Yes, mm-hmm. 16. My oldest son, he's 14. Um, the second to the oldest son, he's about to be 13. He don't want to keep saying he's 12. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a teenager, man. I got rights yes, um, now as a teen. Yes. Um, I had one set of twins, they're 12. My baby boy, he's 11, and my baby girl is 9. Now, how do they feel about being called a baby? They don't like it too much. They don't even like to hold my hands no more going across the street. (laughs) Not at all. They feel like, Mom, we should be responsible now.